have your Bibles, you could take them out and turn to Luke chapter 24. I'd appreciate it. Uh, there's a message outline right out there at those center doors at the ministry counter. If you don't have one, I encourage you to go get one to follow along in the message. I, I met a man at a conference many years ago, and I remember him telling me all about his son and what his son was doing. That his son was a Christian. Uh, he was involved in sports. He played multiple sports, and he's good in all of them. That he was uh, going to college, and, and he was doing very well in college and in all these organizations. And he's getting ready to graduate, and he had all these job opportunities that, that were coming his way. And I thought to myself, wow, this young guy is really going someplace. I never met him. I've talked with this father, but I didn't know the son. And I began to think, I wonder if that's like many people today, that, they, that they like, they're like that with Jesus. They've talked with this father, but they don't know him, the son, Jesus. This morning, I want to take you to an Easter Sunday. It was a day that Jesus rose from the dead, but it was really earlier that day. If you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 24, hopefully you found that. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, right? That's what we understand, that's what we know. And he came forth from the grave on that Sunday morning. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus would die, and three days later he would rise from the dead. In the Jewish culture, any part of a day was a day. So Jesus was in the grave part of Friday, all day Saturday, and part of that Sunday morning, and he came forth from that grave on Sunday morning as a resurrected, risen Savior, right? who had conquered and defeated Satan, sin, and death. Amen? And so we, we serve and worship a glorious, resurrected Savior who is alive, who is alive, that death could not hold him. And so that, that's every reason to be celebrate this morning, the resurrection of Christ. But in this passage, there's a crowd of people there. They gathered there in Jerusalem for the Passover. And now that it's all over. And now they're making their way back home, back to their villages, back to the towns in which they live. If you have your Bible, let's begin reading in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and 14. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. These two guys were leaving Jerusalem on their way to Emmaus. We learn from verse 18 that one of, one of the guys' names is Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other one. As they're walking along and they're leaving Jerusalem, they're leaving all those events behind. They're leaving everything that happened there in Jerusalem these last few days. And they have to have a thousand questions going on in their minds, right? They have to be thinking all these things. What happened? Is it true that Jesus really is the Son of God? Is it true? There are rumors that Jesus is not in the grave, that he rose from the grave. There were some women earlier in the day that went to the grave, and he wasn't there. The tomb was empty. Could that be true? And they also have to be asking the question, say, what about us as disciples? What are going to happen to us? We put all our hope in him that he, one day he would restore the kingdom of Israel, and now all of our hope is locked away in a tomb. What's going to happen to us? And as they're going along and discussing these things amongst each other, there's a stranger that joins them on their journey, and it's Jesus. The resurrected Christ joins them on their journey, but they don't know it's Jesus. They have no idea who it is as he's walking along with them. Let's read verse 15 and 16. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So they're walking along and they're talking about Jesus and, and not aware of the stranger who had joined them. Their eyes can't see that it's Jesus. They're looking right in, but they don't know it's Jesus. And you have to put yourself in this story to understand and grasp the, the humor of Jesus. That they are debating back and forth about Jesus, debating about him, and Jesus is there with them, right? You get the story. 
this reminds me many years ago, uh, my mom used to get these really bad migraine headaches, and she don't get them anymore, and when she'd get them, she'd be down for two or three days. And this one time where she got them, she, she literally passed out. So my dad literally picked her up, put her in the car, and rushed her to the hospital, the emergency room. I follow along with my car, and we get the emergency room, they take my mom back, and they're running all kinds of tests. And finally, the doctor comes out, and he starts talking to us, but my dad is really upset. He's really upset with the hospital, with the doctor, and he says, I don't know what's going on. He goes, my wife has had this for a long time, and she's been meeting with her doctor, she's had him for a long time, and he's running all these tests, and he don't know what's wrong with her. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I think this guy should, should be practicing medicine. He said, I think the guy's a quack. And he's saying all these things to this guy and talking about this doctor. And then the doctor kind of interrupts and says, sir, I, I am your wife's doctor. And, and my dad didn't realize that was her doctor. And he's saying all these things about the doctor. And he was right there in front of them. The same thing is right here in this passage. They're talking about Jesus, saying all these things about Jesus, but they don't know that is him. In verse 17, it says, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So Jesus says something like, what are you guys talking about? And just ask him, what, what are you talking about? As he joins them. And that question kind of stopped them. And they kind of responded with, are you kidding? Where have you been? Are you kidding what's happened? Cleopas, one, the, the other one guy that we know his name, said that. In verse 18, he says, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Do not know the things that have happened in these last days? And Jesus responds very casually, seems, what things? What things have happened? And say, they went on to explain to Jesus who Jesus is. They are telling Jesus about Jesus. They, they're going to explain to Jesus who he is. How would you like that assignment to try to tell Jesus? He stands in front of you. I want to tell you who you are. And, and let's look what they say about him. And you kind of sense the emotion in, in, in from this passage of Scripture, what they're saying. In verse 19, they say, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. They're kind of excited about Jesus of Nazareth. You don't know about him? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And then it kind of gets sad. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they, they crucified him. They killed him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find the body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So Jesus has to be listening to this and make sure they got all the facts right, right? Because they were just observer, but he was a key component of this. This all centered and focused around him. So Jesus is listening to what they shared, and they're telling Jesus about himself. So out of this passage, I want to give you three important truths. Hopefully you have your outline. The first one is this that Jesus will meet you on your journey. That Jesus will meet you on your journey. I love what it says, that one word in verse 15. It says, Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Aren't you glad about that? That salvation isn't brokered by somebody like a priest or a pastor like myself or a prophet. It was Jesus himself who met them on their journey. He personally met them on their journey is what the Bible says. It is also interesting that Jesus met them in their darkest hour. He met them in their times of need, is what we find here. That they were remembering all those things and trying to figure them out, and they're asking all these questions. Who is this Jesus? What's going to happen to us now, his disciples who've been following? What's going to happen to us? I want to suggest to you this morning that Jesus will meet you on your journey, that he will meet you on your path. It doesn't have to be in your pain, but sometimes Jesus does meet us in our pain, and 
through some difficult time because it gets our attention when we go through pain. When we go through difficult times, it gets our attention. But does Jesus only meet us in our pain? Does he? Yes, no, maybe so. No, he doesn't. He meets us anywhere and everywhere, doesn't he? Wherever we're at, Jesus will meet us. But the difficulty of it is this, that to the person who has a bank account that is filled with money, and they're not living check to check, and they have a big, beautiful home, and they have a job that they love and they enjoy going to, and they have all the material things they could probably want and can buy more. For that person that has all those things, it looks like life is just so great for them, do they need Jesus? Yes, they need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. But that can fool a person sometimes to make them believe that they have this life together, they have all these material things they could possibly want, have a lot of money in the bank, and everything's going fine. That what do I need Jesus for? And what could Jesus do for me, they may be asking. So you need Jesus not just for the issues of life, but you need Jesus for the issues of eternity, right? In eternity, you want to make sure you have that right, don't you? And in this life is where we're going to determine where we spend eternity. And on this earth, we basically live, you, if you live 100 years, that's a long time, right? Some might live a little longer than that, but most people, 100 years or less. But for eternity... That's not 100 years. That's not even 1,000 years. That's not 100,000 years, but that's forever. So in our existence, how much time we live on here is very small. For eternity, so we want to make sure we have eternity right. Where we're going to go after this life, right? We want to make sure we have that right. So Jesus came to this earth through the birth canal of a Jewish woman, the Bible tells us. He came to live amongst us. He came to live with us, to teach us how to love, to teach us how to live. And in the process... Jesus performed many miracles and touched the lives of people and intersected with the people on their journeys all along the way. And through that, he brought them hope and help, whether they were diseased, poor, or wealthy. It didn't matter. Jesus met people exactly where they were at, no matter where they were at, through uh, distress, through difficulties, or through great things happening. Jesus met them where they were at. We find that many times. And, and I'm wondering this morning right now, that maybe you're here, somebody's here right now, and God is working in your heart and your mind, and maybe you've never heard, you've heard about Jesus, but you don't know him. You've talked with this father, but you don't know Jesus the son. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and accepted him as your savior. And sometimes it takes despair for us to get to that point, right? Perhaps you met Jesus in your despair, because despair gets our attention, right? It gets our attention to help us to realize and recognize that you and I were never meant to live this life apart from God. Do you understand that? That things come into our life, that God allows things to come into your and my life to help us to realize that we were never meant to live this life apart from God. Things like financial difficulties, loss of a job, marriage difficulties, a wayward child. And many times it could be one of, maybe you get sick or a loved one gets sick or the passing of a loved one. We soon recognize that it overwhelms us. We say, God, I can't handle this life alone that I need God. And God allows these things in our lives many times so you and I can see that I cannot handle this life all by myself. And then you meet Jesus, or Jesus meets you, and he changes your life and changes you to become more and more like him. So Jesus will meet you on your journey. And many of you, he's met you on your journey, right? And you know him, you trusted him as your savior. And he meets us on our journey. The second truth is this, that Jesus speaks to you through his word. Jesus speaks to you through his word. And many times we, we think to ourselves, boy, I sure wish that Jesus would just speak to me, literally speak to me, to give me guidance and help me to understand his will, what I should do. But do you realize that this Bible is just not a normal textbook? 
just not another book like all the other books you open up. This Bible's alive. It's living. For it is God breathed, as 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us. And it's good for training, correcting, rebuking us in all righteousness, so we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we open up this book and we say, God, I wish you'd just speak to us, and God says, read the book, I am. And God is speaking to us every time we open up the page of this book and we read this. God is speaking to you. The question is, are you listening for his direction and guidance and to understand his will and who he is? Because he's speaking through this book. And many times we read this book and it's just information. But are we allowing it to change our lives? Are we allowing it to, to change the course of our life or what God wants us to do? That's what he's doing. He's speaking. And he's kind of telling it to these guys right here. Jesus is saying, you might understand the scriptures, but you've never applied them. You haven't come to truly understand what they mean. And he says this in verse 25 through 27. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And begin with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus said, how foolish you are. Jesus wasn't trying to cut them down or saying they weren't smart, had nothing to do with intellect, but has everything to do with moral choices. Jesus said, how foolish you are because you've made the wrong moral choices is what you've done. You are slow to slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. He said, you're slow to heart to believe these things. You thought that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. He says, but the prophets of the Old Testament prepared you what was going to happen these last few days. Is if you understood the scriptures in the Old Testament and the prophets, they prepared you and pointed to you what was happening these last days. So you should understand what is happening. He goes on, verse 26, and said, Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He was probably reminding them of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, and it says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That Jesus died on the cross because a penalty had to be paid. He didn't die for his sins. He died for my sins and your sins. In the sins of the whole world, he paid the price on the cross, right? And after Jesus suffered on the cross, then the Bible says there was glory. And the Apostle Paul writes about that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. He says this, And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible says that after Jesus suffered at the cross and paid for sins once and for all, paid for all sins once and for all, he was glorified. That Jesus in glory today as a resurrected, victorious Savior. That he defeated Satan. He defeated sin. He conquered death for you and I. So you and I can have a hope and eternity to be with Jesus. So we can have forgiveness of sins. So we can have a relationship with God the Father. Because our Savior lives and he conquered death for you and I. Amen? Jesus did that for us. And that's what he's kind of sharing with them. Did you not understand these things had to happen? And as they're walking along and talking, these two men don't realize that this stranger is Jesus. Can you imagine that? They're walking with him, and they don't realize it's Jesus. They don't recognize him at all. They, they don't see who he is. They are looking right at Jesus, but they don't see that it's Jesus. You kind of think, 
how can that happen? They're walking with him. Why can't they see that? I mean, they had to hear him speaking. They were one of his disciples. They had to hear him speaking. But that still happens today. People ha happen that all the time today. People don't see Jesus because their eyes are still blinded. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that, that the enemy, the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the eyes of people so they can't see Jesus. They can't understand about Jesus. They're blinded also by the religion. They're so stuck in their religion, and they don't see who really Christ is. They're into their works and everything. They're blinded, blinded by their own pride, that I don't need Jesus. They don't see their need of it. They're blinded by money, so going after money that they can't see who Jesus is. They're blinded by their own worldview. The worldview doesn't fit in with Christianity, doesn't fit in with the Bible, and they're blinded by that, by their worldview. People are blinded by all kinds of things, and they can't see Jesus. See, they don't see Jesus, and here's the big thing, they don't see their need for Jesus. That's the big. Not only don't they see him, but they don't see their need. So you have to see Jesus in order to see your need for Jesus, right? And they don't see their need for him. And Jesus speaks to you through his word. If we're listening, he speaks to us. He says in verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus is walking with these men in the seven-mile trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and the irony is they spent some of that time telling Jesus about him. Now Jesus is going to spend some of that time telling them about himself through the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament, when we look at it, it shouts Jesus. Do you realize that? I mean, it screams Jesus when we really look at the Old Testament. It screams him, who he is and everything. So they are walking along, and Jesus starts telling them about Moses, and he goes through all the prophets. And he's probably talking about the serpent in the wilderness. The son of man is like the serpent of the wilderness. It's going to be raised up, and he's going to give life. And they're hearing this, and he's going on, and he's sharing with them. And these guys are listening to him. they got to be thinking, wow, this guy really knows the Old Testament, right? Ding, ding, ding. The light should have went on right there. Ding, ding, ding. That Jesus is sharing with them, and they still don't get it. He's trying to connect the dots for them, the Old Testament dots, so they can understand who he is. And they still don't understand it. And he's sharing with them because this book— leads Jesus. All through the pages, we see it points to Jesus all through this. See, this book, the Bible, is God's story to us. It's God's story. And the theme of this book is redemption. That way back in the garden, man fell in the garden, and we all sinned. And now through this book, it's telling how God is going to redeem mankind. And all through the pages of this book, as you read it, it's talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. It's pointing to him. It may not mention his name, but it's pointing pictures at him to, to the future. And all through the New Testament, it's telling us what Jesus did for us. They didn't have the New Testament, they had the Old. And Jesus saying, it was all through the Old Testament, the prophets spoke about it, that I was going to come and I was going to die and all those kind of things and be buried and raised from the dead. It all talked about that. It all said those things. And he's trying to help them understand it. And he's saying, what you saw, you should have been expecting. You should not be surprised of what you saw these last few days in Jerusalem. If you really read the Old Testament, if you really understood what the prophets had said. And it's for us today. If we really understand the Bible, we should not be surprised by many things that are happening in the world. We need to trust Jesus, right? We need to grab hold of Jesus. So the third important truth is this, and it's really important truth. Jesus opens your eyes to him. That Jesus opens your eyes to him. Let's read in verse 28 through 32. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, 
gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So as they arrive in the village of Emmaus, Jesus acted like he was going to continue on his journey, but they kind of shared with them, the day is almost over. You walk these seven miles with us. Come and stay the evening with us. Come and stay the night. So Jesus went in, he breaks the bread, and he passes it to them. Then the Bible says their eyes were open, right? Now Jesus said previously, he says their hearts were slow to believe all that the prophets had said, but now their hearts are burning within, the Bible tells us. Their eyes were once blind and they could not see. But now their eyes are open, and they can see. It's, it's fascinating to stop and understand who Jesus is. How we can open up our hearts and our minds to see the truth, right? It is interesting, when you listen to those people who used to be once skeptics about Jesus, and they, they heard about Jesus maybe, they maybe they talked with the Father, but they didn't know the Son. When, when you listen to them, that they came to this place of intellectual honesty. Intellectual honesty, they called it. They asked themselves, how can we reject somebody that we really don't know? So what they did, they started doing research. They did their research, and he says, and if we reject them after research, then we've done it with intellectual honesty. We actually says that we investigated for ourselves and did a search. We found out for ourselves that this really isn't true. So they were going to do it with intellectual honesty. So that's what they did. Many of them did a search on their own, and what they did, they went into eyewitness accounts that we have from the Scriptures, from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those authors told the story of the people who'd walked with Jesus, whose lives were touched and changed by Jesus. And as they researched that and they investigated that and looked at that and cross-referenced that and went all through the Old Testament, read the Old Testament, one by one, many of those skeptics came to Jesus by faith and believed. And I, and I sincerely believe that if someone has an open heart, in their minds, and they really come to Jesus sincerely, and they really investigate it for themselves, they're going to find without a shadow of doubt that everything it says about Jesus is true. If you have five over 500 witnesses that say, I saw the resurrected Christ, any court in the land will say, that's true. You have 500 witnesses, and there's more than that. They verify that Jesus came forth from that grave. It's another interesting to notice here, and it's very important for us to understand, that we don't open our eyes ourselves to Jesus, but God opens our eyes to Jesus. We don't do that. See, this is such a powerful point. The Bible says their eyes were closed, right? And the passage doesn't say they, they opened up their eyes to Jesus. It doesn't say that, that they just opened their eyes and realized it was him, that they were walking along all these miles, these seven miles with Jesus, and they hear this guy talking and say, boy, this is such a smart rabbi. This must be Jesus. No, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, then their eyes were opened. Then their eyes were opened. And so no one comes to know Jesus because they thought it was a good idea. You don't wake up and say, boy, it's a good idea. I think I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's not how you come to him. You come to Jesus when Jesus comes to you. And he opens up your eyes. And he's revealed in his word, and the Holy Spirit takes that truth. And spiritually, he connects the dots for you. That's how you come to know him. It's Jesus Open up your eyes. If you're here listening to me today, and you're understanding what I'm saying about Jesus, that he's the Son of God, that he's God, and he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised on the third day, and he did that for you, it's because Jesus opened your eyes and your mind and your heart to the truth. It's not because you're smarter than everybody else in the world, and you came to this realization, oh, I understand it's because I'm smarter than everyone. No, that's not the case at all. The Bible lets us know Jesus opens our eyes. We find that through many passages of Scripture that God opens their eyes. I mean, Paul's testimony in Acts chapter 9, 
God opens his eyes. We see that over and over. We see that through Scripture. That's what happens. And then you come to know Jesus, right? You come to know him. Let, let's read verse 33 and 30 through 35. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen, has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is proof of the resurrection right here. We have the women went to see and the tomb was empty. We have Peter and his companions. They went there and the, the tomb was empty. But now we have eyewitness uh, accounts here. These two men saw the resurrected Christ, proof of the resurrection. And the Bible says once their eyes were opened, they believed. Their lives were changed. And these men were never the same again, never the same. And they went back to Jerusalem and shared with others about Jesus, that they, they said Jesus is alive and he can change your life too, is what they would share. And so here's the encounter we have of this man's journey with Jesus. How they came to know Jesus gives an account in Scripture so you and I could understand that. My question for you is, where are you on your journey this morning? If I had to say, where are you on your journey with Jesus? And if you are here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, and you say, amen, I've done that, you have every reason to celebrate and rejoice this morning about Jesus, right? You have every reason. And your life should be changed. And you should ask this important question to yourself. What am I doing with this incredible life and opportunity that Jesus has given to me? What are you doing with it? If you know Christ and you're saved, you say, well, I know him, and I'm celebrating. Are you serving him? Are you living for him? Are you reading the scriptures every day so you can understand him more and more, so he can talk to you and guide you and lead you? Are you sharing him? Are you on mission for Jesus? You know, over the last many weeks, and really months, our church has been going through a series through the book of Acts called Unstoppable. We've been talking about being on mission for Jesus. We've been talking, look at your watch. We called it the mezuzah. Look at your watch, and, it, and it's mission time. They were called to be on mission for Jesus wherever we go, right? It's mission time. My question is, are you on mission? Are you serving him? Are you living for Jesus? And that's the call for us. If you are here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, I really don't know him. Let me urge you today to put your faith and trust in Jesus today if you don't know him. Allow Jesus to open your eyes today by you saying yes to him. And right now, Jesus is offering you forgiveness of sins and eternal life with him leading the way. You say, have to respond. And you need to understand that God loves you. Do, you. do you realize that? I don't know what you understand about God, but God loves you. The God of the universe, the one who created everything that we see with our eyes, the moon, the stars, the earth, the ocean, everything that we see, people, he created people, everything that we see with our eyes, that God, the God of the universe, the one with omnipotent power, all-powerful, loves you. And he loves you so much that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to guide and lead you in your life. But because of sin, and all of us are sinners, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners, it separates us from this holy, just, righteous, perfect, loving God. And there's no way you and I can approach this holy, just, perfect, righteous, loving God on our own because we're sinners and he's not. And there's a gap between us and God. And there's nothing you and I can do about it. We're stuck in our way. And God knows that. He understood that. So out of God's love and his grace and his mercy for us, he sends his son Jesus from heaven, who is the son of God, who's God. And he came down to this earth. That's what we celebrate Christmas is all about, that Jesus, the Savior, came and was born into this world. We celebrate Christmas about that. He came to this world as a baby in the form of a human being, as a little child, and then he grew up to be a man. And about 33 years old, he went to the cross, and God the Father placed all your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world, past, present.
present and future upon Jesus. And Jesus paid for your sins upon the cross. That's what we celebrate Good Friday. We just celebrated about, right? right? And he was your substitute on that cross. He paid all your sins that you will ever commit in your life. All the sins committed in the world, Jesus paid for them and paid the price in full for all of us. He was our substitute. And then the Bible says he was buried and he was raised on the third day. That's what we celebrate today, Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus is all about. We celebrate. These are very important times to understand this. And the Bible goes on to say that if anybody understands that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, realized they're a sinner, he's the son of God and God who died for them, was buried and raised on the third day, that if they receive that by faith, they do have forgiveness of sins, a child of God, have hope and eternity to be with Jesus one day. And so anyone here, if you've never done that yet, but the Holy Spirit's right now working in your heart and mind, you're connecting the dots. And you're understanding the truth about Jesus, who he is, that he is the Son of God, that he's God, and he died on the cross for your sins. And right now, see, I'm really understanding that. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, that you will be saved. So if we come today, and if you accept him today, you have forgiveness of sins. No matter what you've done, you realize that. No matter what you've done, Jesus promised to forgive all your sins. And what I want to do this morning is really pray with you this morning and give you an opportunity right now. The Holy Spirit is leading you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to pray, and inside that prayer is going to be a prayer that I want you to just follow along and pray silently to yourself if you've never accepted Christ. Okay? So if you're listening to me, the Holy Spirit's leading you, and you understand what I've said, and you've never prayed that prayer, please pray with me. Okay? So let's every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the resurrected Jesus. We're so thankful for the cross, and we're thankful that our sins are forgiven because of Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins. We're so thankful for the empty grave, which reminds us of the hope and eternity that we have in, in Jesus. We know that when we pass in this life, that we will be with Jesus because of the resurrection and forgiveness of sins that we have through him. So, Lord, now I pray for those that are on that journey but haven't accepted Jesus Christ their Savior yet. I pray that you would lead them to pray this prayer. If you've never accepted Christ your Savior, you're ready to pray this, to repeat these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. I now put my faith and trust in Jesus is my personal Savior. I accept your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you for saving me. Amen.